Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. And I'm so happy to have with me today, Mike Doherty, the director of festival programming for Outfest Los Angeles Film Festival, where this year they're going to be celebrating 40 years of Outfest, which is such a huge achievement um, in sharing and showcasing LGBTQ stories on the big screen for the past 40 years. Mike, thanks so much for chatting with me. Thank you for having me. So I'd love to um, ask you about this year specifically. Can you share what this year's theme is and how the programming sort of fits into that theme? Yeah, you know, it's always hard to kind of bring the entire program down into one theme, but fortunately this is our 40th anniversary. So that kind of forced the theme on us (laughs) in a way uh, where, you know, devising the program, you feel like with a momentous occasion like this, when you're talking about an anniversary, you look back at the 40 years past of queer cinema, you think about what's happening in the present moment in queer cinema and for the queer community and where it might go in the future. Um, and so that's a pretty heady uh, assignment to give a programming team to be like, we need the, the program to reflect all of that. But then as we were watching the films, we were kind of like, oh, the filmmakers are kind of already doing this work of like, considering what's happened in the past and and how that's affecting us in our present moment and 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 also just like blossoming in their creativity and in and the access that they have to tell stories that center queer people in a new way so that is kind of carrying us into the future and I think just that's a very uh overarching way of answering your question but I think you'll see kind of all of that in the program and I can get into specifics if you'd like <laughs> oh, yeah definitely well I'd love to ask because I know you came on to be the festival programming director pre-COVID. And so you um, sort of went through this whole rodeo before um, COVID began. Can you talk about, since you sort of got both sides of it, if there was a stark difference in terms of the submissions you got and the quantity and quality of the films you received um, due to the pandemic? And did that take a hit at all in the number of submissions Outfest received? Surprisingly, I would say it took a modest hit. Um, mm-hmm. Funnily enough, 2019, the, the year I started, um, the only non-COVID year I've had of, mm-hmm. of my office tenure, uh, we got an increase by like, by like 20% of beyond the most submissions we had oh, ever wow. had before. Um, it was kind of crazy. Um, so, but the following year, obviously 2020 took a bit of a hit and, and, was a little slow to come back, but it wasn't too far off what a normal year would have been for Outfest, which is really encouraging. Like queer filmmakers, despite being traditionally given less access and less funding, we're still finding ways to tell their stories and and coming back this year where, I mean, obviously we're never gonna be back to normal, but it's it's kind of leveling off in terms of, of production getting back into the swing of things and, and films coming back where we're seeing a pretty healthy number of, of submissions come in and you know more great work than we can even hope to program in our 11-day festival. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of great programming that I'm looking forward to seeing. However, I do want to highlight your two big bookend um, events, films. Anything's Possible is the opener on July 14th and then you have as the closing um, They Them, which is directed and written by such an iconic um, 
writer, producer, director, John Logan, um, and then Billy Porter's obviously directing Anything's Possible. Can you um, touch on or speak to the decision of um, deciding to go with these two films acting as your big openers of clo- and closers of this year's festival? Yeah, I think they both kind of speak to what I was mentioning earlier about you know, queer filmmakers getting the chance to tell stories in a way that we haven't seen really before, that once we get to center ourselves in the narrative, um, there there are so many ways that we haven't been able to express what goes on in our community and how how we're portrayed that, that these films both really speak to in really creative ways. You know, Anything's Possible is a romantic comedy that centers on a young black trans girl um, dating a young cis boy in high school. Um, and I love one of our alumni, Rain Valdez, uh, is all about rom coms. She's a, a trans artist herself, and she's all about making trans rom coms. And has said, you know, romantic comedies, in a way, tell us who is deserving of love. And the fact that the industry hasn't really allowed trans people to have that kind of representation within the romantic comedy is is troubling. And to see it come to such wonderful fruition in this film that Billy Porter's made. Billy Porter is as talented a director as he is an actor and singer and, and dancer. Um, the, the film is completely lovely and beautifully rendered. It looks gorgeous and the actors are so beyond charming. It's, it's just a delight from start to finish. And then on the other end of things, uh, they slash them and I have to correct your, correct your pronunciation of the title. It's a horror <laughs> film and they slash them. You got to pronounce the slash. That's right, that's right. Um, yeah, it's uh, John Logan is the writer director and he's an Oscar nominated uh, screenwriter of you know Hugo and um, and he created Penny Dreadful on Showtime and is, is of the queer community himself. Um, and for his directorial debut, he chose to make this horror film that's produced by Blumhouse Productions, like the kind of like the first name in horror right now, um, about a group of queer and trans kids that are sent to a conversion therapy camp. And their counselors are, you know, it's played by Kevin Bacon and Ada Klumsky and Carrie Preston. Um, and it kind of, it's this really interesting horror film in that, you know, the conversion therapy part of it is the horror. There's also a knife wielding killer in the in the woods and that is part of the horror. But um, obviously we wouldn't program it if it was the queer and trans kids losing, you know, just to, 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 yeah. to give a little spoiler. It's very, very um, empowering and very, you know, enjoyable and fun. It's that kind of horror movie, um, but it's just, for for so many years queer people in horror were either the villain or it was coded or the themes were you know suggested and buried a little and subversive and mainstream horror at least obviously there's a history of queer horror that's that's opposite uh, operated outside the mainstream but just to have this this great cast and this great talent behind a very visible very you know incredibly pedigreed uh, horror film uh, and the queer and trans people are the leads and the heroes and the the ass kickers if i can say that i don't know yeah what no, no, go for it um it's it's just amazing to see and it's something i haven't really seen in that kind of form before and it's just an incredibly enjoyable time so the fact that they were both world premieres and they both were just treading this new ground it it, it just had to be our opening and closing films and as you mentioned, you know, John Logan, who's a multi Oscar nominated screenwriter who's written some of the most memorable films of the last several decades. The fact that this is his directorial debut is um, yeah. is really amazing and 
kind of unbelievable too. Um, every major auteur, he could have his pick of whatever story he wanted to tell. And he told this one. And exactly. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's worth noting that it's also a Blumhouse film yeah. and Blumhouse is obviously doing some of the most popular horror films nowadays. So the fact that they're showcasing um, an LGBTQ horror story like this is also um, very um, amazing to see. Uh, I'd love to move on and sort of ask you what your personal um, favorites are from this season. I assume you've seen them all since that is your job. Um, so could you share what in particular, not only are you looking forward to seeing, because like I said, you've probably seen everything by now, but that you're excited to see the reactions from Outfest attendees seeing it for the first time. Oh yeah. Um, obviously, you know, I have seen it all and I, they hold everything dear to my heart, but I, you know, I love answering this question because I have my own particular tastes and there are certain films that I gravitate towards and they tend to be the more hard to classify kind of films, the ones that you can't pin down to one particular genre. Um, so there's films like Please Baby Please, which uh, stars Andrea Riseborough and Henry Melling as a newlywed couple whose ideas of their own sexuality and gender roles change when they fall in with a 1950s greaser gang that's kind of like an unholy melding of the Sharks and the Jets and the Marlon Brando motorcycle gang from the Wild Ones. Um, and it's all very neon drenched and, and stylized and Cola Scola is there in drag singing like a, a ballad in a phone booth. And Demi Moore is like the upstairs neighbor who who rebels against her her absentee husband. It's, it's very undescribable, but the exact kind of movie you didn't know you needed until you saw it. Um, there's also a horror film from Denmark called Attachment, which starts as like a Jewish inflected lesbian rom-com and ends as a demonic possession horror thriller um, with, that is equally parts hilarious and heartwarming and scary. It, it's just, I love things that aren't afraid to cross genres and, and experiment with, with tone in that way. Um, gosh, I could talk such a blue streak about all the great things there. Um, our, our, Another film like that is our U.S. centerpiece. It's called Unidentified Objects. Um, and it stars Matthew Jeffers, who's on TV's New Amsterdam, um, in a road buddy comedy about uh, two unlikely friends, neighbors, who take a road trip into Canada because one of them is sure she is going to be uh, airlifted into space by aliens at a particular place in, in Canada. And it's about the colorful characters they meet along the way and their own identities. Matthew Jeffers plays a self-described homosexual college educated dwarf um and of course when we talk about you know queer characters that haven't gotten the spotlight in in, in films before that is that is certainly a group that we haven't seen represented in any significant way i think in a long time um and it's just completely delightfully written and visually gorgeous i, I think it's something that people really ought not to miss um and then there's things you know we in talking about highlighting the the past 40 years of queer cinema, we always have our legacy section, which brings back films from the past that that we like to highlight every year. And we're playing things like Patrick Ian Polk's Punks. Um, Patrick Ian Polk uh, created the television show Noah's Ark, but before that he had made this film, which because of music rights issues and a, a lot of behind the scenes things, you can't really see it on streaming. You can't really get it on DVD. The only way you can see it is on this 35 millimeter print that we have. And it's, you know, a, a rom-com focused on black gay men, which is in short supply in the long history of, 
of queer films. So that's that's something you shouldn't miss. And in person, we're going to be joined by Patrick Ian Polk, as well as cast members Jasmine, Vanessa Williams, and Ronnie Chester. And the Q&A is going to be moderated by uh, Justin Simeon, who created Dear White People. Um, it's it's a good time. Another thing we're doing in the Legacy, our Legacy Centerpiece is a 20th anniversary screening of Far From Heaven. Uh, and we're going to be joined by Todd Haynes and Julianne Moore and Christine Vachon to talk about not only their their work on that film, but their decades-long partnership making some of the best queer cinema around. Um, I think I only mentioned five things and I could keep going, but yeah. I feel like I have so much time on this podcast. And I'll add one more that I'm actually particularly interested in, which is I believe you're screening the new series, A League of Their Own, and Rosie yeah. O'Donnell will be live in person yeah. to moderate a Q&A. As of taping this podcast, that was just announced two days ago or yesterday. Uh Um, Yeah, the first two episodes of the new League of Their Own series, which it speaks to what I was talking about earlier about how we look back into the past and how queer people were represented. Like one of my favorite movies of all time is Penny Marshall's 1992 film, uh, A League of Their Mm -hmm. Own. Um, And it's wonderful in so many ways. And this series kind of honors it and, and clearly respects it and tips the hat to it, but expands upon it in ways where it's like, obviously there were queer women in that baseball league. Like we just had a news story about one of the women featured uh, at the end of the movie came out in like her nineties, but obviously at the time too, there were probably queer women there and like expanding the scope of what that, what the original movie talked about to, to include our community as it should be. Um, And yeah, we're going to be joined by Abby Jacobson who stars and co-created it and a bunch of the other cast, Shantae Adams and Rosie O'Donnell from the original film and who is, has a smaller part in the new series as they're moderating that Q&A. And that screening's free, um, thanks to Amazon Prime Video. Um, so that's gonna be pretty incredible. That's great. And I do wanna bring up again, because it is your centerpiece screening of Far From Heaven. Can you speak to what led to the decision to screen Far From Heaven? And um, I mean, having Todd and Julianne and Christine all there, that's that's certainly gonna be like just great to see. Can you share how? that idea came about? I mean, every year we're always looking to see like, what's an anniversary that's coming up of of some major films that are important to us. And there's so many titles, but Far From Heaven spoke to me because of, again, the themes that I've been talking about. That's a film that at at 20 years ago, it looked back into like the the melodramas of the 1950s directed by Douglas Sirk, um, which were, you know, very lightly queer and and suggestively queer in their ways, but never overtly so. And Far From Heaven kind of made it overt in the style of that 1950s melodrama and kind of brought queer issues to the forefront in in an era where they weren't, they just weren't in in filmmaking at the time. Um, And it's just, it was like kind of Todd Haynes kind of saw that trend coming 20 years ago and it didn't and it's like really starting to pick up again now in, in a lot of different ways so it just kind of spoke to again the the past of queer cinema uh how we as a queer community reflect on it and where we can go in the future with our ideas and our filmmaking and todd haynes for decades now along with christine Bashan and oftentimes julianne moore mm-hmm. have collaborated on some of the best queer cinema that you're ever to see and are, I mean, they're, they're making a new movie this summer. Uh, it was just announced with uh, Julianne Moore uh, and I believe Natalie Portman are, are both in it. Um, so yeah, I think just contained within that one movie, there's so much talent and so much thought and, and experience that speak to all of the themes that we're trying to touch upon in, in this festival. 
Absolutely. Um, and I want to ask screenings aside or your typical screenings aside, are there any new components to this year's program that we haven't mentioned yet specifically to commemorate the 40 years or otherwise um, that you'd like to share? I mean, in terms of we're always kind of expanding what we highlight in terms of how stories are told because, you know, times are changing and it's not just cinema anymore that people are, 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 are getting their storytelling from right. and you know that you know we reflected that a few years ago when episodics were not only put into outfest but into the larger festival sh- sphere um we're also doing a live read of a podcast a scripted podcast called love and gravity uh, and the episode's called our lady of the six train um and love and gravity is a series of scripted podcast episodes that focus on queer latinx stories and are written by a host and performed by a host of the the greatest queer Latinx talent uh, around. And we have a night called Noche Iconica at Plaza de la Raza in East Los Angeles where queer Latinx stories and and, and ideas are celebrated. Um, and that library is gonna happen there. We have a lot of music-based performance. We're doing our Platinum Alchemy Party at Catch One on Sunday the 17th. That's gonna be headlined by Big Frida. Um, which uh, is amazing. Big Frida just collaborated with Beyonce on her new single. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that that concert's $20 and I don't think there's ever another time in your life where you're gonna be able to see Big Frida for $20. So <laughs> that's something to go see. Um, but yeah, I, there's just, there's so much beyond film screenings going on at this festival um, just to to celebrate queerness and our community coming together and and, expressing ourselves in the various ways that we do. Um, I think the festival will in the future expand even further as more modes of storytelling become dominant and popular and, and, and taken up by the queer community. Yeah. And I think it's also worth noting that unlike last year, this year will be Outfest under the stars and you'll be um, performing so, or showcasing some films at the Ford Theater, which I won't be into to last year. Yeah, Alpha's Under the Stars is something we we did at the Ford Theater for many years, and because of COVID, we haven't been there for the past two years, and we're returning there um, for three nights. It's uh, the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of the the, the second Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of the festival. Um, and we like to yeah combine live performance with with screening elements there. So there's a night where um, we're doing a comedy night where there will be a stand-up comedy show followed by short film screenings. The stand-up comedy show is headlined by Margaret Cho, um, also includes River Butcher and a host of great co- queer comedians. Um, and the comedy shorts include um, things like The Ladies, which is written and directed by Jill Gutowitz, a great writer, and that stars um, Lisa Ann Walter from Abbott Elementary and Alexis Zoll, uh, some great talent. Um, we're going to do uh, a film called God Save the Queens, which stars uh, a bunch of the most popular RuPaul's Drag Race queens like Alaska and Laganja Estranja and Kelly Mantle and uh, so many others. And Alaska and Laganja and Kelly Mantle and Jordan M. Green, the, the main cast, are all going to do a live performance drag songs and and, and lip syncing on stage at the Ford prior to that. We're also uh, world premiering the first three episodes of Kit Williamson's new series called Unconventional. Kit Williamson, of course, made the Emmy-nominated, Emmy-winning series, Eastsiders, uh, and this is his new one. I can kind of exclusively say, when does this podcast air? It'll be this upcoming week. It'll be after the weekend, if that's helpful. Yeah. 
Yeah, because we're going to be announcing soon that, that we're going to be joined that night by two of the exciting cast members of that show besides Kit Williamson, which is Willem Belly from Drag Race and Kathy Griffin. Nice. Um, so that's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And it's so great too, just having a component of the festival outdoors. I know you did it last year at the cemetery. So the fact that you're now back at the Ford this year is great. Just having, you know, an under the stars type of vibe is cool. Yeah. That's just becoming more and more the classic Los Angeles experience. You know, we did, yeah. like, we did Hollywood Forever Cemetery last year, which is just an LA staple of, of summertime fun thing to do. Um, but more and more, there's just so many outdoor events that happen because we have the weather for it. And the Ford is gorgeous. It's right across the street from the Hollywood Bowl. Um, you can get there early and bring your picnic. And yeah. we sponsored beverage there and all of that. So it's real fun. That's great. Um, and then for my last question, um, it's more of a personal one because I know that this is your third festival. Um, if you don't count the COVID year, this is your third one, 1921, 22. I know, but 2020 was all, all virtual. We had a festival. Uh, you had one, yes, but no, no in-person component, yeah, of, unfortunately. Right. Um, but can you speak now that you've been in the, in, gone through the festival a few times, um, what's been the most fulfilling part about it and just some of the highlights so far? I'm doing this work. Gosh, um, I mean, I got into film festivals because of the intoxicating nature of just placing a filmmaker in front of an enthusiastic audience and watching them connect, watching the audience really respond to the material and the filmmaker who had no idea how that film would go over to an audience, just seeing that enthusiasm and the, and the love for the film and having kind of one of the best days of their life. Um, it's it's really fulfilling to do that for filmmakers that haven't gotten all of the access that some other filmmakers have gotten that that need more of a platform that aren't necessarily the ones highlighted. Outfest has always been as much about discovery as it is about platforming these big names that we've been talking about. Um, and I think you'll see that a lot in the short films section and you'll see it even in the feature section and the in the first time filmmakers. Um, we play a lot of things that other festivals may pass over because they feel like, oh, well, we've got our two queer films and and those have celebrities in them and more people will come to see them. We don't need to platform these other ones. Um, the festival has really been about showcasing the diversity of our community in all of its forms. And we like to represent as much of our community as possible. Um, and I think we've done a really great job of, of showcasing that and that, I think I named three things that have been really fulfilling about the job, but those those are absolutely the things that I'm I'm most proud of in these past four years, and especially being able to do it during a pandemic and to connect with people even across the country with it via the virtual platforms has been really exciting. Congratulations on a 40th year, and we can't wait to come. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.